Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Dave Kovar, and as always, I'm pretty excited about this show. The title of this episode is My 12 Rules for Training. And the concept here is these are things that I've found... uh, mostly the hard way that have really helped me in, in my in my martial arts journey. And I, I think uh, if you're not a martial artist, I think a lot of these rules will apply to any other any other endeavor that you might uh, apply them to, especially a physical endeavor, another sport or the gym activities, etc. And so I find that if I really honor these 12 rules, I maximize the enjoyment, uh, minimize the injury, and maximize my ability to improve on a consistent basis. So one of the things that these 12 rules are are really uh, affected by is is a time in the arts. What I mean by that is, is that I probably, if I would have put these rules together when I was 25, they would have been different because I, I wouldn't have uh, had to overcome, uh, you know, age and injuries and all those things that happen over time. And so uh, I think a great definition I heard one time is, you know, good judgment comes from bad judgment remembered. You know, what is wisdom? You know, wisdom is is bad experiences, doing stupid. When you remember that you've done stupid things and then not doing it again, that's that's one type of wisdom. So anyway, I want to take you through what I think if you can embrace these rules that will dramatically uh, aid in your in your training, whatever it might be. For today's podcast, I'm really focusing on 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 your martial arts training. So first and foremost. Rule number one is empty your cup. And what do I mean by that? You know, this is one of those things that, that you know, when you go to a martial arts school, of course, what do you do when you step out on the floor? In most places, you bow on the mat. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, it's different things for different people. Uh, but for me, bowing on the mat has nothing to do with bowing to a room or a, a flag or a picture. It has to do with it's reminding myself, you know, emptying my cup of any activities that happen today, whatever's going on in my mind, uh, relationships, work, family, whatever it might be, man, that no longer concerns me. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm emptying my cup, clearing my head so I can step out on, on the on the floor with a clear mind, with that beginner's mind that we talked about in past episodes, right? Uh, and, and ready to go, ready to embrace the journey. So that would be a step number one. And by the way, ritual is really powerful. So just thinking, yeah, I'll just switch gears. I don't need to bow on the mat. Well, that's fine. But when you make the effort and when you're really, uh, you take your time, you do a clear bow and, and you, you, you know, and I, I think I say the words when I bow, be my best. Okay. You might say, us which means patience and push, which are really good for representation of when you bow on the mat, okay? So that's step number one. Step number two is really a lot easier to follow if you did the first one, right? And that is, is be present focused. So here's what's happening, man. So you empty your cup, you step on the floor, and and all of a sudden, next thing you know, if you don't watch it, you're thinking about you know something that happened at work that day, or maybe what you're going to have for dinner, or, or something else, and you'll find yourself getting distracted. And I, you know, I think it's important to remember that that uh, you know training is a type of meditation. You know, when you get your best results is when you have mental clarity, physical energy, and emotional calm. You are you are percent focus on the on the task at hand now so with that said you're gonna get distracted and really how you develop uh, focus uh, is by practicing drawing yourself back in after you've been distracted so don't uh, uh, next time you're on the mat and you start thinking about something else don't beat yourself up because you're thinking about something else okay what happens is is go wow another opportunity to work on my focus right now uh, what I see often in training and I've caught myself doing it as well but as an instructor I will see people like after a technique kind of shaking their head and like you know maybe you know 
kind of cursing under their breath. And what they're telling, what I can almost every case, and I've been guilty of this as well, what they're saying is, man, I'm bad at this. I can't believe I screwed this up or something along that lines. And that is a total waste of time doing that process. It's taken me out of the present, right? So resist that temptation to do it. Or oftentimes you'll see if a couple of guys are sparring or doing mitt work, they'll, they'll try to anticipate what their opponent's going to throw at them, right? They're like going to guess. And what happens is that takes you out of the present. And, 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 and so what happens if you try to anticipate the technique the person's going to throw at you, you're either going to look really good or really bad, depending on what they throw at you, right? But chances are you're going to get it wrong at least as much as you're going to get it right, maybe more. And that's why being present focused then allows you to be responsive, right, to the technique at hand. And with a clear mind, you know, that present focus is really mushian, right? What that, that, that uh, no mind, that allows you to really uh, uh, respond if you train correctly in, in, a, in an effective way. So that's step number two. The third one is don't compare yourself to others or a younger version of yourself. Now, this is really important. I'll tell you what, a lot of people will begin martial arts training and and they, they get frustrated along the way because maybe they're not progressing at the level they'd like or sometimes it's simply that they're demanding, they're expecting too much from themselves because maybe they're comparing themselves with the young athletic person that's in their prime and they may not be in their prime, right? Or maybe uh, they're comparing themselves with a younger version. Like, hey, how many times have I thought to myself, you know, I used to be able to do X. Man, I, I, have, to, I have to watch it because that'll creep in. A little side note, uh, you know, one of the things I've always had a pretty good um, vertical leap, and I still I'd like to say that I have a pretty good vertical leap, but one of my parlor tricks, like when I was in high school and college age, was I, I would be in a room maybe at a party or something with standard eight-foot ceilings, and I could jump up just kind of from a standing position and hit my head on the ceiling. And uh, sometimes if I – if you know, if, if things – if the stars were aligned, I could actually hit it hard enough to make a noise, right? Like a pretty loud whack. And it was, it was kind of, kind of silly, right? But for a five foot nine and a half inch guy, it, it was a pretty good vertical leap for me. And, uh, and, and it, a lot of my taller friends couldn't do that, right? And so it was kind of one of my like claim to fame amongst my friends. And I remember one time, probably seven, eight years back, I was with a high school buddy of mine, and he was at my house, and he goes, hey, Kovar, can you still do that thing where you jump up and touch your head to the ceiling? And I thought to myself, of course I can. You know, I'm still training every day. I work on box jumps and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I pop up, and not only did I miss it, I probably missed it by four inches. And then I was thinking to myself, what is that? When did that happen, right? And so I started to start actually, that little thing actually started bringing me down a little bit until I realized, wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm, I'm breaking one of my own rules. I'm comparing myself with a younger version of myself, which is not fair. It takes the fun out of training. So you do what you can do, right? Because there's always going to be someone bigger, stronger, faster, just like there's going to be someone slower, weaker, older, right? And so you just run your own race. You just do your own thing. And by the way, me saying don't compare isn't going to stop you from doing it. You're still going to do it. But when you do, try to catch yourself and stop before it kind of, uh, you know, takes over, so to speak. All right. The next rule is be thorough with your warm up. Now, if you're a young guy and you're listening to this, it's a good habit to start it, you know, right now. And maybe you already do it. Maybe you think, oh, I don't really need to warm up. Well, I didn't need to warm up either until I was about 30, 35, it seems like. And so, but I'll tell you what, it's a good habit to get into. And my experience is, and, and maybe I'm a, I'm a little bit, uh, I don't know, man, superstitious with this, but especially like first thing in the morning, my, my first uh, part of training is early in the morning at the gym and it's usually some kind of resistance training. Uh, 
And uh, and so first thing I do is I have a it's probably about a six minute warm up that I do specifically, uh, and I never miss it. Like I never miss it. I I do it every day. And when I do it, guess what? I pretty much you um, get through my workout. You can push really hard, and I end up not pulling a muscle and hurt myself. Right. Same thing applies for my martial arts training. And uh, however. Every, pretty much with, with very few exceptions when I have like pulled a muscle or, you know, hurt myself, it's, be, it's because I didn't act adequately warm up or because I trained when I was fatigued. And I'm going to talk about that in a bit. So make sure that you have, uh, you know, you warm up. And, and that's why I like having a very specific warm up. So I know where I cover all my bases, uh, I'm, uh, that I'm consistent with. So next, and this is especially applicable if you are like learning new material, right? Whatever the art might be. But, but that is, is focus on details, but one at a time. And what I mean by that is, let's say when you're repping, you're working on your jab, let's say, okay? Or you're working on your round kick or your rear naked choke or whatever, or any form that you might be doing. Uh, you're, you're one detail at a time. So let's just take the jab, for example. All right, I'm doing, maybe I'm in class, maybe I'm training on my own. After every jab, don't just make it a mindless jab, but next time they go, okay, gotta stay relaxed, work on breathing. Then you're gonna work on your breathing a couple times. Now, maybe you notice you're doing some shadow sparring in, the, in front of a mirror and you notice you're, re, you're, you're telegraphing a little bit. So now you're gonna focus on just that one thing, being non-telegraphic with your jab. Then you've done that for a while, it's becoming more natural. Then what do you do? You realize you, you're a little bit too high up. You need to sit down in that jab a little bit you're throwing it. So that's going to be your focus now. You get the idea. So focus on details, but only one at a time. And I find if you do this, you can actually be your own best teacher, right? So what I think is interesting is when you get a brand new student on the mat, you know, you can, uh, you know, they, they, they don't know much, man. You can teach a basic technique and man, they have that beginner's mind. They embrace it. And you know, they, they, they're repping away. They're having fun. And then sometimes as intermediate advanced students, man, that's when we want to learn new moves. I already got that. I already know a jab. I already know a front kick. Show me something else, right? And what, what, what's interesting is I notice high level black belts, regardless of the art, guess where they focus on? Brilliant in the base. Stick into basics. Like I would be more than happy to attend a class where I learned nothing new and only drilled on basic technique as long as I was able to really focus on refining those. So once again, focus on details, but one at a time. All right. So once you've got a technique down, once you like own a movement, one of the things that can really uh, make uh, what uh, give it more of a, a life is visualize the application. And what I mean by that is, is that hopefully you are never going forward from this day forward, you never find yourself in a violent confrontation. But if you ever do have to defend yourself, wouldn't it be cool if you've been there before, so to speak? In other words, you're prepared for that. Uh, Shihan Nishuchi uh, shared a story with me about when he was living in Japan, one of his senpai, that's a, like a senior student, right, was actually a Yakuza. And he, uh, and he uh, uh, had this, in, in, uh, this situation one time where he bumped his, into some guy at a nightclub and they had words. And by the way, this would have been the 1950s in Japan, okay? Post-World War II Japan, the samurai mindset is alive and well. And you got two knucklehead young guys, right, in their 20s, full of testosterone, and they bump into each other. And so they decide to meet, to have a fight, but not any normal fight. They're going to friggin', they're going to bring swords and they're going to fight like with live blades. This really happened. So, uh, the next day they meet at the appropriate time. And by the way, uh, the gentleman that, that, uh, Shin friend, the Yakuza bumped into was a super high level Yaido practitioner. It actually did Yaido and Kendo. And Kendo is, is a course, you know, uh, 
Full contact sparring with a shinai. It's kind of how you might apply a lot of it crosses over to how you might use a sword. So he's got skills with a blade, put it that way. He knows what he's doing. So they show up at the appropriate time and, uh, the opponent is, is holding his, his posture. He's in a posture called Joro no Kamai, which means that he's holding a sword above his head. He's prepared for battle. And he's thinking to himself, man, I'm looking good. I know I'm going to scare this other guy. Well, the Yakuza walks up. He, he's got some, he's got some karate training, but he knows nothing about swinging a stick or a sword. Um, so he walks up now. The, the, picture this. He puts the, he has the sword in his right hand. He puts his left leg forward and he holds the sword behind him, kind of up and back, clearly showing that he knows nothing about martial arts. But here's the deal. In his mind, he was ready to die. He was 100% committed. Whereas the other guy who had all the training realized he was like, holy moly, this guy really means business. Oh, what do I do? And ended up, you know, relieving his bladder on the spot and then running away. Okay. And why did he do that? He, there would have been no doubt he would have won this match, but he had, although as good as he was in Yaido and Kendo, he'd never been there before. If you understand what I mean, during all that training, he'd never li- have never realized uh, an actual situation where we might apply it. So visualize the application. When you have a self-defense technique down, if you're doing a form or whatever it might be, uh, uh, visualize how that might apply, whether it be in a ring, in a cage, on a mat, in an alley. And if you can do that, if you can make that as real as possible in training, in your mind, that will help prepare you if you ever had to defend yourself. You know, we teach a concept called practice to fight so you don't have to. And the better you know a technique, the better prepared you are, the, the more likely you are to project confidence in everything that you do. So you're, you're less likely to actually draw that type of energy to you in the first place where, you know, the bad guy, the, the vet, the, the predator wants to approach you. So the next rule is embrace fatigue, but there's a caveat there, but do it safely. What do I mean by embrace fatigue? Let's, well, first off, from a physical standpoint, if you want to get in better shape, you got to be, you know, you got to, you got to, uh, you put some stress on the muscle or put some stress, stress on the lungs, right? That's how you improve that, right? You know, that resistance makes you stronger. Um, but I think it also has another really important application. And, uh, you know, Vince Lombardi once said, a poor endurance makes cowards of us all. And man, is that the truth? How many times have I in my, in my training sometime, I remember early on, younger, when I was competing, I remember one particular day where uh, I had uh, um, I, I was fighting in middleweight. It was actually I know exactly where it was. It was the like the Modesto Open, and the year would have been about 1983, 84, something like that. So I was fighting in middleweight. It was the last division of to go, and there was also team fights that day. And I ended up now. By the way, there's plenty of tournaments that I didn't win. Okay, of course I don't remember those as well. But I ended up I, I fought four matches. There were 16 people in my division. I ended up winning first place. And 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 anybody that's um, competed in a, in a in a point fighting tournament, it's two minutes. It can be very intense, two minutes. And this was back, you know, in the you know, back kind of in the old school days, right? And, and so it was a pretty intense, so I did eight minutes, right? Like uh, very quickly. And then I raced over because I was competing in teams. And I fought two team uh, fights in a very short period of time. They were actually holding the division until the middleweight division got done. So I really went from the ring. And then right after that, they were holding the grand champion fights. I ended up fighting, and anyway, uh, won my first round of grand champion. I, I, I competed against another guy for the last uh for grand champion was me and the uh, the other guy, and we went uh, another guy, and we went uh, for three accumulating accumulation of points for three two minute rounds. And so I don't know, I'd already gone one six this uh, uh, seven eight 
this was my seventh, my eighth round, and this this was going to the eighth match, and this was going to be three rounds, right? And anyway, long story short, uh, I I felt like uh, if I would have been fresh, I was clearly on this particular day better than my opponent. But I was so fatigued by the second round, I didn't even care. I basically didn't even care, and I got walked all over. And I never forgot that. I went back, and I hadn't put a lot of emphasis on my actual cardio, right, on my my ability to, to train fatigue. But that that was a real switch in my in my training methodology. So anyway, but. Another application for self-defense is let's imagine, uh, of course, you're doing everything to avoid a confrontation and all of a sudden, man, you're waiting for an Uber. You're in a, you're in a strange town and you're waiting for an Uber and you, and you notice out of the corner of your eye two guys approach you and you realize you're going to have to defend yourself. But you realize you look down the block and you realize you have a better chance of escaping. So you just take off running, man. Always a smart thing to do. These guys are hot on your tail. Uh, you run about a quarter mile. You almost make it, uh, you know, to a... A well-lit place where there's lots of people, but you realize you're not gonna, so you, boom, you stop, you put your back against the wall, someone can be behind you, and these two guys uh, approach you. Now, are you tired? Heck yeah, man, you are breathing hard. Are they tired? Chances are just as tired, but guess what? You've been there before, plenty of times in training, and you're used to it. And because of that, you're more likely to do well. So that's why it's so important that you embrace fatigue. Now, with that said, what I mean by do it safely is this. One of the things that I've realized is is that most of the injuries that I've gotten, if it wasn't due to poor warm up, was because uh, I I quit I train I, I train too long. In other words, I should have quit. I call it the eighty percent rule. Uh, when I have twenty percent less in my tank, I, I usually discontinue my training. So I don't go to fatigue all the time because that's when you get injured. So, but there's things that you can do. In other words, embrace fatigue in safe ways. That's not when you do you're going to full on sparring or grappling or something like that or you're lifting your heaviest weights, you do that when you're fresh. And if you embrace fatigue, you you find a way through calisthenics or some isolated type of training to where you minimize the risk of injury, but you still get used to being really tired once again. So you've been there before. And that's also my experience. That's really the way you'll learn how to relax is by embracing fatigue. When you have no energy left, you have to relax. You have to learn to breathe. And, and that sometimes that's 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 a real good way to do it. Next point is be consistent and think long term. So I don't know if anything's more important than than being consistent in training. And you know, I was speaking with one of our instructors who's a late thirties, real athletic guy, pretty fit guy, uh, really good martial artist. And he came up, and yeah, you know, he's been complaining the last few months. He hurt his shoulder, and he's hurt his knee. And and we started talking. Well, you know, he doesn't do a lot of uh, you know he exercises, but he's not consistent and and. Uh, what has happened, he, he doesn't do a lot of really formal, specific uh, 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 PT, so to speak. And he is, because he's so athletic and you know does enough training on his own naturally, he's been able to last this long pretty well. But it's going to start catching up if he doesn't learn to be really consistent. You know, you don't find any athletes in their 40s, 50s, 60s uh, that are, are still able to be on the mat that are inconsistent. It just doesn't happen because you're just setting yourself up for injury. So, you know, I would, you know, a short workout is better than no workout. Uh, you know, a short workout every day really beats, you know, training hard and stupid twice a week. That's going to set you up for injury for sure. So, and then also at the same time, 
uh, think long term means that you remind yourself, yeah, okay, I didn't train as long as I would have liked to today, but in the in, in the in the bigger scheme of things, you know, uh, you know, a half hour a day of training, uh, consistent and smart, man, that's really going to benefit me in the long run. And if you do it that way, that's going to just help you just to kind of realize that this is, uh, you know, this is a an endurance, you know, this is a, this is something I'm I'm going to be doing hopefully for the rest of my life, right? And that's how I want to be embracing my training. And, and that's going to, uh, uh, what, keep me on the straight and narrow, so to speak. I, by the way, uh, and I, I include uh, physical fitness. I kind of think of that as part of my martial arts training, health, physical fitness, and martial arts. And I train pretty much every day, seven days a week. Now, that doesn't mean I train hard and do the same thing. Like like this morning was kind of, I, I my body was telling me to take it easy. So this morning at the gym, I did the elliptical for 20 minutes in a stretch. So I did a half hour workout. I didn't kill myself off. I didn't do any martial arts today. I just, I got, I got a couple things that I, my body was telling me to take the day off. And so I, I was listening to it. But um, I share that with you because, uh, 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 when you uh, think long term, man, that that's that's that uh, allows you. Oh, I know what I'm saying. Sorry, I forget my train of thought there. And that is, is when you train every day, what happens is you never have to think: Should I train today or not? It's easier to be consistent. So if you train three days a week, then what happens is, is that you think, ah, I know it's my day, but I'll do it tomorrow. Well, when you do it every day, there's no doing it tomorrow. And so with your martial arts training, you have to do a short training session. Even on your own, you push the couch off to the side and you, and you do a certain amount of reps of techniques that can go a long ways. Now I touched on this, but the next one is listen to your body. Train safe. Okay. I know I, 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 I mentioned that before. Embrace fatigue and, but do it safely. And, uh, but this one's a little different. Train safe means make sure that first off, there's several things. Okay. Uh, and that is, is that you listen to your body. If you have an injury, man, you don't say, oh, suck it up. I'm going to train through it. If you, you know, if you got something, there's a difference between pain and injury. If you're just sore because you, you ran too hard yesterday or something like that. Okay. You, you got to suck it up and get through that. But if you know, you got like a tweaked knee. Right, it's unstable. You, it's kind of silly just to go out there and push it. You're just setting yourself up for an injury. You know, if you gotta, uh, you so so you gotta make sure that you listen to your body. And then the other thing is is age appropriate techniques, right? And skill appropriate techniques. And as instructors, this is especially important as well. How many times have I had someone as an instructor in my class that, that hurt, that got hurt because I wasn't, I had them either doing something that was beyond their skill level. Or doing something that that uh, that was re- really wasn't right for their body, you know. Uh, what am I? Give me what kind of an example am I talking about? Uh, how about like a a forty something man that's maybe got a little extra weight, and I'm having him do diving shoulder rolls. Okay, that might be an example of something not to do, right? Uh, or or a tornado kick or something like that. So age appropriate techniques um, and listen to your body will help you, and skill appropriate techniques will help you to train safe. Got a couple more guys. This next one is to be fast, go slow. I want to say it again. To be fast, go slow. What do I mean by that? This is something that that I've really embraced the last couple of years of my of my of my training. And and if there's a technique, and it doesn't matter the art, guys, it could be Filipino weaponry, Okinawan, you know, kickboxing, karate, jujitsu. It doesn't matter, man. It, what if you go too fast with a technique, especially when you're learning something new? What happens is is that chances are you're going to cut some corner. You're going to do something that's incorrect, something that's not exactly right. And in the process of that, you're going to establish a habit 
okay, that is that is incorrect, that you're going to have to go back and adjust accordingly, okay? And so my experience is, and, and I think besides, I think this is like a, a military uh, a slogan that is, is slow is fast, uh, smooth is, how's it go? Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. That's the, that's the concept. But uh, to be fast, go slow really refers to get the technique right the first time. Take your time to the technique, whatever it is. Get every little detail exactly right. Go super slow, super slow. And as you can start doing it without a thought process, you pick up the speed. And every now and then you might throw that technique fast. And if you feel like you had to think about it, you got messed up, then you go back to doing it slow because that means that you you have not got it to muscle memory yet. Remember, there's four stages of learning. There's unconscious incompetence. That's when you don't know that you don't know something. Then there's conscious incompetence, when you know you don't know something. Then there's conscious competence, when you can do something, but you have to think about it. And the final one is unconscious competence, when you do something without a thought process, like brushing your teeth and tying your shoes. And that's what I'm referring to, to develop that, that if the things are you, you've got at an unconscious competence level, the way to do that so that it's correct is going really slow. And what eventually that'll happen is, is that be, you want to be fast, you've done slow until it's smooth and, and you've eliminated any uh, uh, incorrect movement or wasted movement, all of a sudden you start picking up the speed and that's where your speed's really going to come into play. A couple more, man, and we've covered them. The next one is, man, stay playful. Keep it fun. This seems, uh, you know, obvious maybe, but it's so easy to forget. And, that you know, the, why do people stay in martial arts? They might start because they want to get in shape or they might start because they want to learn to defend themselves. But people stay training in martial arts because it's fun, because they enjoy it, right? And I, I think that's important that we we don't neglect that and we f- try to find a way to make uh, my training, our, our training fun. So one of my senior instructors is a gentleman named, named Shihan Ken Gruby, and he's one of the, the top guys in our organization. Actually, he's my highest ranking student. And uh, he's a couple years older than me, and we're, <laughs> so we're out there, and I still train with him once or twice a week. And the guy is just a, a, a tough guy, and he's old, too. I mean, if you're listening, Ken, you know I mean that with all with all. Uh, with, with, with love, but he's a badass regard, not just a tough old guy. He's a bad, he's a tough guy, period. But I'll tell you what, so we have to, he has a very good, you know, thorough warm up routine, um, that he'll do before class because he understands the value of that. But anytime I train with him, man, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, we are, we find a way to make it front. He'll grab a little harder. He'll do a little technique different. There's a little chuckle under his breath and there's a little chuckle under mine. Man, we just have a great time, right? We find a way to make it fun. And, and I, I think that's such an important, what, whatever that means to you. And by the way, there's a difference between having fun and being funny. I'm not talking about telling jokes in the middle of class, you know, you can be sparring hard, grappling hard, doing bag work hard. And you have a very serious look on your face, but you're having fun. And, and, uh, and, and I think part of that is just coming from a, a position of gratitude, like, wow, I'm out here on the mat. I'm doing what I love to do, right? And just reminding, you know, remind ourselves how lucky we are able to do this. And, and sometimes that just brings, it makes that joy a little bit easier. And the last one is to review and evaluate. And what do I mean by that? Review and evaluate. Well, what I'm referring to is that my experience is, is that at the end of a class, let's just say, uh, you know, I go to a, a jujitsu seminar and I learn, uh, three or four new techniques. It, it, you know, I can go to how many times have I gone to a seminar and go, wow, that was really cool and had a great time and, and repped on them a little bit and then not had a chance to review or evaluate what happened. And in five days later, I'm scratching my head. I don't remember anything. I vaguely remember something. However, 
if I take the time to actually, like at the end of the seminar, actually rep on the techniques, and of course, I used to write them down. I still do that sometimes, but now I'll pull out the camera and I'll videotape myself doing it right then. And I really try to take time to kind of remember what I did. Then all of a sudden, it's way easier to retain. And it's kind of like a habit that I try to do every day um, is at the end of the day, actually in, in my journal, I have to do this five-minute journal. It's like, what did I learn today? And and that gives me a chance to really think, okay, what did I learn today? And so uh, in, in life, that's a way we can we can gain wisdom, right? It's not repeating the same mistake over and over by learning what you did well and, and, and maybe, you know, uh, how you could have improved. Well, the same thing. That's what I'm talking about on the mat. So, man, you have a good – at the end of the training session, review what you went through and evaluate. Okay, man, I made some progress on this technique. I need to make sure that I do – you know, you fill in the blank. In other words, you, you – you you uh, you really try to be mindful of what you learned, and so next time you go back to, cl- uh, to on the mat to train, you come with that knowledge already there, and you don't have to relearn that. And if you do these steps, what's going to happen is not only will you find joy in your training, but you're also going to end up dramatically uh, increasing your your ability to train for the long haul, your longevity. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, uh, I wish you all the best and happy training. Bye-bye.